Good morning. Um, it's really good to be with you all. Um, it's always good to be with you all. That's, this is home now, eh? This feels like this feels like home. Do you know what? Dubai, you guys, I love Dubai. Oh, not so much, but um, it's, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Dubai's cool. I'm still getting used to it. It's um, it's just a different world altogether compared to the tropical land of England. Um, but I, I was saying earlier to, uh, I think I was chatting to Ryan maybe. I was saying this place, I would, I would quite easily move here just because of you guys. I feel like, totally, 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 totally. I feel like um, there's an amazing sense of community, an amazing sense of family here. Um, and I want to encourage you, if this is your first time here, you have nothing to be afraid of. They're not weird people. They're great people. Uh, very welcoming. And they're very authentic. If you are a visitor here, I want to encourage you. Um, if you're on a journey, you might not know Jesus. You might not really be into this whole God thing. Just hang out with these people. They're nice people. Uh, really nice people. Really solid people. People you can trust. I'm going to pray for you all real quick, um, and then we'll get into this. Is that okay? Wonderful. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you that you're a, you're a, you are Emmanuel, God with us, Yahweh with us. You don't leave us, nor do you forsake us. Father, you pick us up out of filthy places, and you, um, and you renew us. You straighten us out. You help us, um, and then you guide us. You don't leave us alone even after that, and you teach us, and then we get to be with you in eternity, and when we die, that's not the end. Father, I thank you so much for salvation, and I pray that today will be a day where we, uh, we, we have that encounter, that restoration, restore to us the joy of salvation, renew a right spirit within us, cast us not away from your presence. Lord, I, I pray that that will be our portion today, that as we, as we look into your word and as we talk through these things concerning Good Friday and Easter Sunday and this weekend, Lord, I pray that you'll just renew a right spirit within our hearts and help us to live passionately for you who died so passionately for us. Be glorified in the name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said, and all God's people shouted. That's good, that's good. Uh, just for the record, I am... I was kind of born into a Pentecostal church. Then I went a bit Anglican during uni. I went to an Anglican church. And then I came back Pentecostal. So you're allowed to say amen every now and then. And is, that, is that bad? Or? <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Um, cool. The, um, the, theme, the, theme, uh, the theme for today, um, and, uh, and, and your leaders, uh, Dan and Star, they kind of chucked in my way a couple of days ago, is, is the exchange. And when I, was, when I was just thinking through what this means, the whole idea of the exchange, I know we saw the video earlier, I kind of summed it up in this, in this one line, which is letting go of all that I am on my own and embracing the truth of who he is and all that I have in him. Okay, at this point, um, I want to encourage you, if you can take notes, take notes. Uh, a lot of time through here, we're going to give you some one-liners and also give you some questions. And if you forget the six-foot-four black guy, at least in five years' time, you'll be able to look at those notes and, and God will be able to speak to you. Is that okay? So if you've got your phone, your iPad, I encourage you. If we're at uni, we take notes. If we're at work, we take notes. If we're in the presence of God and God wants to speak, this is the best time to take notes because it's his word that changes your life. Yeah? So if you've got an iPad or a phone, please do. Just write whatever, whatever sticks, whatever comes to you and you think, ah, I feel like I might need that in a couple of years. Take it down. So I'll say that again. The exchange for me meant letting go of all that I am on my own and embracing the truth of who he is and all that I have in him. Talking about Jesus here. And so I am, um, when I was thinking this through, I, I, 
I kind of I kind of ran ahead of myself and I went into okay let's talk about truth and let's talk about this and let's talk about that and then God said hold on a second this exchange is really simple we're going to look at it in three parts the three questions we're going to we're going to ask during this short time we have is who am I without him who is he and what did he do for me the last I was start, I was going to stay on the first two but I thought no the last one's important you know, in a normal exchange, if, you, if, you, if I have a product and you have the money, you will only come and grab this product if you understand its value and its worth. Otherwise, you'll keep your money, right? In the, so for me, I felt it was important for this third point. We, under, we need to understand the value of what Christ did, what he did for us, so that we can fully embrace it. When I think of that scripture in Psalms, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me just the whole idea of what it is that you represent to me. I, I just think it's important to understand the value of the cross, the value of what Jesus did. Yeah? Let's look at this first question. Who am I without him? Who am I without Jesus? I am. Um, this is an easy one. It's a slightly depressing one, but it's an easy one. I'm filth. I have nothing. It's funny that I was thinking of, this is, sounds really holy, hey, but I was thinking of the Avengers, Avengers Assemble, the Marvel movie. You guys seen that film? There's a scene in it, right, where, um, where, where Loki, Loki's the bad guy. If you haven't seen the film, forgive me, just bear with me, okay? Um, um, a P.S., I am going to see Batman versus Superman in a couple of days. Um, but there's a, there's a scene in that film where all the superheroes are gathered, and you have Captain America, who's like a genetically modified superhero, and he's just like buff. And, um, and he can just do all these crazy things and he just has a shield and he just like represents America. Um, and, uh, and then you have like Dr. Banner who's, who like, he gets mad and he turns into this big green Hulk and, and you have Thor who's like a demigod. Um, and then um, and there's at one point, I think Captain America turns to Iron Man and he goes, who are you? Take off your suit and who are you? And he goes, well, I'm a billionaire playboy philanthropist. Philanthropist. You know, you know what I'm trying to say. And you know, I was, I was thinking about that and I, and I thought, it's funny, you know, he didn't say who he was in terms of what he struggles with or what he carries or who he is behind closed doors. Rather, he went immediately to what he does. What he does. Here's the question. Who are you without Jesus? Not what do you do or how much money do you have or what job do you have or what you own. Because reality is when you're dead, that counts for nothing. That counts for nothing. As many, you can write as many wills as you want. You can give it to your kids. That's great. But when you're dead, what you own means nothing. When you stand before the king of kings, when you die, when you cross over huh, into the afterlife, it's either the afterlife in eternity or hell. That's when the who you are without Jesus thing kind of kicks in. Understanding this, who you are without Jesus is a person destined for death. We're going to be looking at Isaiah 53 as we go through this. So I'm going to bring that in at certain points. But I, I, I really want to start off with this and, and start off with a place of self-examining. There are people in high places and powers. There are kings. There are presidents and prime ministers. And they have everything now to them. They have everything. But really and truly, they have nothing. You need to understand that. Without Christ, you are destined for hell. I, I, um, 
as I said, I was brought up in a Pentecostal background, and sometimes, and sometimes people, when I, when I went to the Anglican, uh, to an Anglican background, sometimes I, I heard people, some of, some of the younger Christians, they were like, yeah, you know, those Pentecostals always preach hell. The reason why they do is because it's very real, and it's as real as heaven. I hope you got that question out. Who am I without him? I know I've covered it, but I want you to write down the second question. What do I deserve? What do I deserve? There's a part, and we'll, we'll read the full scripture in, in a bit, but when I was looking at Isaiah 53, I was really drawn to the message version. There's a part in it. I'm just going to read out. You don't need to bring it up on the screen, Jenny. Uh, but there's a part in it which says... Um, when he died, it says, but the fact was, it was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things that were wrong with us. When Jesus died, he took on what we deserve. For every time he was slashed and ripped apart, skin off the bones. How many of you have seen that film, The Messiah? Yeah. It's... um. I love it because it represents really what happened. So many times they show these, these series on, on TV of the Bible and they miss out parts, the, the inconvenient parts, you know? But I love that film because it shows exactly what we should have had. That's what we deserve, an eternity of lashes and beatings. And just when you think you're going to die, they do it again. I am... Um, I'm aware at this point that not every sermon normally starts like this. And this might feel a bit morbid. But I make no apology for it. I make no apology for it. If, you were truly to, if we're going to truly appreciate what Christ did for us, we have to truly appreciate and understand what it is that was meant for us in the first place. Does that make sense? Let's go on to the second question. Who is he? Okay, we get a bit lighter now. I'm going to read Isaiah 53, 2 to 4 from the message version. It says this. The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling. He's talking about Jesus. A scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched parched field. Actually, I'll read it from here. There was nothing attractive about him, nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over. A man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum. Here we go. But the fact was, the fact is, it was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. I'll stop there. When I looked at this scripture, I, um, I, uh, I, I kind of started to see very key characteristics, very key things about who Jesus was. Not what he had, but who he was. He was humble. He was humble. That was the first thing that jumped out to me about this scripture. And you know the word Christian means to be Christ-like, right? So when I read about who Jesus is and these things that jumped out, understand that these are the same things, some of the same characteristics that we need to be aware of. The first thing that jumped out is an air of humility. He wasn't born into, into earthly royalty, as in like, you know, I don't know, a Saudi prince or something. He was born in a trough. He was born to a carpenter. He was born in a situation of scandal. There was an air of humility about Jesus when he came. 
He was unassuming. It wasn't obvious. One of the things that I was so aware of is when, when he was on the cross, he, um, people taunted him and said, oh, well, if you're the son of God, get yourself down and whatnot, whatnot. But he understood the importance of submission and, and humility and surrender to his father. He didn't do the obvious. Everything about Jesus was unassuming. He taught lessons when you didn't even realize lessons were being taught. He was a Jewish man. Culturally, everything about him, he was from a Jewish background. I am, um, my dad was a Rastafarian. Um, um, obviously, I'm not a Rastafarian, and he's not a Rastafarian now. Um, he gave his life to the Lord. He's been walking with the Lord for many years. And um, he's, uh, he's pioneered many church movements back home. But one of the things he says, and I grew up, you know, when you, I'm, a, I'm a PK. You know what PK is? Right, Pastor Skid. Yeah, we're the worst, huh? Um, well, but I got saved, and I gave my life to Jesus. Thank you, God. Um, but one of the things about, about being a PK is you, you, you get the privilege of listening to all your dad's sermons, eh? Uh, time and time again. And um, one of the things he says as a black Rastafarian, he says, listen, man, I don't, I don't get this white man, blue-eyed Jesus. I, I don't get this white man, blue-eyed Jesus. You know? uh, and, um, and he says, but what I do know is he's the son of God and a Jewish man. Well, I do know he's the son of God and a Jewish man. And um, um, the point he makes when he shares that is he understands that sometimes during the course of history, we can do things to make things convenient for us and what we want. But the reality of Jesus is he was a Jewish man who was submitted to the law and he understood the commandments and what was written by Moses, the way of Moses and the movement of the Israelites. And, and he came as the son of God and he was slain in our place. And he understood, my, I feel my, as my father shared that, he understood that everything about Jesus, even though he came from such a strong cultural background, is about who he represented as the son of Yahweh. That is what was pivotal. You need to embrace that. Sometimes as we grow up, we can... We can grab hold of what he looks like rather than who he is. One of the other things I, I, I wrote down is he was, a, he was an innocent man. He was an innocent man. I, um, I, never, I never forget, I saw this tweet that changed literally. You know when you, you read something or you hear something, um, just keep me on track of time as well, eh? You know when you hear something and you read something and it just, like, like no matter how manly you try to be, uh, it just breaks you. Um, obviously, if you're a woman, obviously it's different, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, I read this tweet and it said, um, Jesus came and died for our sins. He didn't have to. And then underneath that it said, would you give your child to die for someone else? Uh... Would you give your child to die for someone else? And he just left it open-ended. That was the question. Now, I haven't got children. We get in there. And when my child comes, Rom, I love you, bro, but I don't think I'd give my child for you, bro. I mean, if the Lord said, you know, okay, but Lord, I'm not too sure about this. Where is this in the Bible? No, joke, no, joke. But it, it's a hard thing to stomach, okay? Would you give your child to die for someone you don't even know? Your child. See them as a five-year-old. 
This is the reality of who Jesus is. A son given for someone he doesn't even know. And then finally, uh, from that scripture, one of the main things that jumped out is he was the son of God. He was the son of God. I love in Revelation 22, um, verse 16, it says, I, Jesus, have sent, this is the Lord talking through John, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you to give you this testimony for the church. And this is what Jesus says about himself. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. In fact, in verse 13 earlier, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is the Son of God. It starts with him. He's the second Adam. He's the one who came to redeem us to God. Adam fell. The reason why I say he's the second Adam, Adam obviously was the first Adam. He fell. He sinned. And Jesus came as a second Adam to restore us back to God. He was the Son of God. You still with me? Hmm. Finally, huh? Okay. Am I in trouble? Okay, cool. He's just like winking and smiling at me, bro. Not now, Dan. Um, Thirdly, this is the final part. What did he do for me? Let's go back to that scripture in Isaiah. And I'm going to continue reading after after verse 4, eh, Jenny? He goes on to say, he took the punishment... That, and that made us whole. I'm reading from the message version. He took the punishment and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way, and God has piled all our, piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him. I love in the message version, it says, it's piled all of it on him, and it says it again, on him. It repeats it. This is a bit of a long one. I'm going to continue reading. I think it's worth doing. It says he was beaten, he was tortured, but he didn't say a word. Like a lamb taken to be slaughtered and like a sheep being sheared, he took it all in silence. This is the son of God. He was there before time began. He saw things being called into being. He took it all in silence. One word, let me just let you know, one word from Jesus in that situation could have changed the whole game. It says justice miscarried and he was led off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without thought for his own welfare, beaten, bloody for the sins of my people. They buried him with the wicked, (laughs) threw him in a grave with a rich man. Even though he'd never hurt a soul or said a word that wasn't true. Everything that he had I was supposed to have. For all the stuff I've dealt with in my life in private, he was humiliated for in public. All the rubbish and the things you entertained in private. Some of you have been walking with the Lord for years. All of the stuff, the bad attitudes, the foolish attitudes, should I say, and the junk you still kept when no one's looking He was martyred for and slaughtered for in public. Do you understand what I'm saying? You want to talk about the exchange? You need to understand the value of what Jesus did. And also understand what was meant for you. Without him, I started off the first statement I said. 
So without him, I'm filth. Now I'm redeemed. I'm on a journey. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect at all. Just because I stand here with a mic in my hand, sharing with you my brothers and sisters, does not mean I'm perfect. Rather, it means I'm being obedient and I'm on a journey. And when I see him, I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servants. Servants don't get it right all the time. But you have bad and lazy ones, wicked ones, and you have good, humble, submitted, surrendered ones who honor their master, who honor their maker. Do you understand this exchange a bit better now? Sometimes we can jump into the nice fairy stuff. Oh, he died so, I, you know, so, so, so that I could have eternal life and that's beautiful. There's some beautiful analogies you can have in the exchange. And there are some very real, very, very, very piercing factors and analogies you can have in this whole idea of the exchange. In fact, I want, I'd, I'd really encourage you to write that down. Everything dark or dirty about me that I've ever done in private, he was slaughtered for in public. You might want to just make a note of that. For me, if my wife had let me, I'd put that above my bed on my ceiling. I'd just graffiti it. But my wife's here, so I better behave myself. Yeah. Pray about it, baby. Um, the last scripture I want to look at... Um, I'm going to read from the New King James. It's Colossians 1, 9 to 17. This is what we're going to close on. And then we're going to do an exchange. The Bible says faith without works is dead. I don't believe it's just good to hear a word. I always believe it's good to respond to a word. There's no point in my wife telling me to do my laundry and I say, yes, babe, and don't do it. I've been there many times. It's a journey, guys. It's a journey. Colossians 1, 9 to 17. Again, it's a little bit chunky. Just bear with me. I'm going to read it or you can follow me. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, full of patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of, the su- of his Son of love, in whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins. I love some versions say, live lives worthy of the cross. I want to encourage you today. I've shared both sides of this exchange because I really believe God is calling us back to the cross. He's calling us back to that place where you get a chance to give him all of your trash and take on salvation and new life. And what better day to do it than Good Friday? So here's the deal. I felt specifically last night when I was praying for you guys, I felt I want us to, we've got a little bit of space down here. Don't worry, we'll make space. We'll move the chairs. It can get messy. Not a problem. I'm sure we've got insurance. Um, here's what I want us to do. With every eye, every eye closed, every head bowed, Jesus is here. I just want to tell you that as a matter of fact. 
the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, is here. God is in this room. Our Lord walks among us now. And here's what we're going to do. For everything that you don't want anymore, you're going to come and you're going to give it and lay it down here. As you step out, it's a statement of faith, an act of faith. And you're going to come and give that to the Lord. It might be just a bad attitude, a lack of self-control, an addiction, an addiction to pornography, to smoking drugs. It might just be a, a, a really, really bad relationship that you know you've had everything to do with and you're a culprit. It might be a sickness. It might be something that you want to let a, a cancer, maybe a report from a doctor that you, you want to exchange for Jesus and you want to step out and go, Lord, this is not my portion. I don't believe it's my time yet. I want to give this to you and take on your joy and your strength and your healing. Now, for whatever it is, with every eye closed, every head bowed, please, I want people to feel free to step out on this. If there is something that you want to give to the Lord in exchange for him and his healing and his strength, now's the time. Take a moment and just think about it. No matter how old or how young. If there's something you know, actually, this, isn't, this is the old nature. This is the old me. This represents the me without Jesus. I don't want it anymore. And one by one, why don't you come out and step out of your chair and come and step forward. Feel free to stand, kneel, whatever it is. But now's not the time to feel embarrassed or ashamed. Jesus didn't feel embarrassed about you. He still doesn't. We might want to move some of these chairs back from the front. Let's just keep, keep in this holy moment. Now is not a time for spectating, but to understand God is here and he wants your baggage. His burden is light and his yoke is easy. He doesn't want you carrying rubbish anymore. He doesn't want you carrying that thing you struggled with in darkness anymore. God is here. Holy Spirit, breathe upon your sons and daughters, even now. Holy Spirit, come. Breathe upon your sons and daughters. As you've stepped out, just begin to lift that thing to the Lord and say, God, here you go. You can have it all. I just want you. I don't want this anymore. I just want you. I'm going to put the call out one more time because I really feel there are some of you, and I'm not expecting a whole church to stand here, but there are a few of you who are now deliberating in your mind, uh, is, this, is this a bit too much? I, I don't know. I don't know. I can deal with this on my own. I'm cool. No, you know you're not. Here's an opportunity to let it go. Here's an opportunity to let it go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
healed in my soul. If I could ask just the prayer team, just to go around and just, no, not ask any questions. Just stand by our brothers and sisters and just pray over them. Some of the leaders in the church, some of the staff, just stand by them. You guys down the front, just begin to offer it up and say, Lord, I'm done with this. You can save me. You can change me. I know you can. I believe you can. Here it is, Lord. Come and fix me. I'm done with this, Lord. You made the heavens and the earth, so I'm sure you can change me. Come on, just open your mouth and just lift that prayer. Let him hear your heart. Don't miss this opportunity. stay here just for a moment and for those of you that are still in your seat scripture says be still and know that I'm God right now where you are know that he is God he doesn't leave you nor does he forsake you but he meets you where you are if you've missed this opportunity there'll be others but understand this God is for you he's not against you He wants you strong. He wants you free. He wants you to be higher and grow higher and grow stronger than ever before. Yeah. If you're down the front, I want to encourage you, maybe just lift it, stretch your hands out in whatever way, just as a sign of surrender. It's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of, Lord, I'm giving this over to you. And I'm reaching out for you in exchange of my rubbish. Come more, Holy Spirit. More of you. 